0: This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dow higgins I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome back Laura Vanderkam to the show. Laura will talk about how to stay calm in the chaos and make time for what matters. Laura, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. Oh, listen, it's my pleasure. You and I go way back. We see each other a lot on the speaking circuit and I have followed your work and I am a consumer of your great wisdom and information. But this new book, Tranquility by Tuesday, I am fascinated by because for many reasons, but number one, you based it on a time diary study of over 150 people. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So Tranquility by Tuesday is about nine rules that can help people calm the chaos and make time for what matters. And what I did to, you know, learn how these rules would work in real life is I recruited 150 busy people to, you know, follow the rules for nine weeks. Each rule, each week they would learn a rule. They'd answer questions about how they plan to implement it in their lives. And then a week later, I would check back in and see how it went. And we did this for nine weeks and then I measured them in various ways at the beginning of the study, through the study at the end. So I could see if these nine rules really worked. Uh, You know, I write self-help for busy people, so I don't want to waste anyone's time. And I'm glad to report that the rules do work. You know, people who followed them consistently saw their time satisfaction rise significantly. So that was great to find out.
0: What a beautiful case study to really support the book. So let's dive in a little bit. One of the things that I appreciate is that you talk about building uh, a resilient, not perfect schedule? So, what does that look like?
1: Well, anyone can create a perfect schedule, right? You just write how the universe should go if nothing ever went wrong. But uh, that is not the way most of us encounter real life. So, you know, the true time management masters create a resilient schedule where you can still make progress on your goals even when life doesn't go as planned. And so, you know, one of the rules, one of the Tranquility by Tuesday rules is to create a backup slot, which is basically getting at the concept of building in open space to absorb things that happen. Uh, Many people, you know, finally make time for some big work or personal priority. You know, you've got that meeting set up with somebody that didn't have to happen, but you really wanted to make it happen. It's important to happen. And then of course, there's a huge emergency immediately beforehand. And it's very frustrating because things get bumped, you know, we we meant to do something and then life intervened. But it's the equivalent of, you know, if you've got a ceremony scheduled in the summer as outdoors, when they set a rain date, Um, If anything is important to you, you don't just need one time for it to happen. You need a backup slot where it can happen if it doesn't happen the first time. And then when life comes up, life intervenes, the chances of your priority happening rise tremendously. And it's really more of a mindset. You know, I'm not saying that there has to be a specific spot for every single thing in your life, but if you leave open space in general, then you have the opportunity to get to things that didn't happen because something else came up. And, and so I find that when people do this, life just feels a lot more calm. It feels like we can do things. We're not ending the week feeling like, well, I didn't get to that yet again. Um, if you truly wanted it ha- to happen that week, you probably made the space for it.
0: I love that. And I think resiliency is such an important quality anyway. You know, we talk about emotional agility. And my goodness, the pandemic journey has taught us that we we are dealing with ambiguity whether we like it or not. So this kind of creative resiliency is is good on on so many fronts.
1: Yeah, and it's really all about how we set up our schedules. If you set up a schedule where everything has to go perfectly in order for your life to work, well, that's a pretty tall order because most of the time life doesn't go perfectly. And you know, people get upset about this. They're like, "But I meant to do X or, you know, I would have done you know this if only this had happened and that may be true, but we can't expect life to be perfect. Um, I'm all about creating a schedule that works even when life isn't perfect.
0: So Laura, what about, what about what I call white space on the calendar, that creative think time, process time? Is that something that we should be intentionally plugging into our days
1: well, I'm always a big fan of building in thinking time. Uh, I think that's a separate thing from building in open space to absorb the overflow. Um, the overflow is there so that when you know, you've know you got a meeting that runs late, you're not racing to the next thing, right? That you have a little space uh, in your day so that you can get caught up. But I think it's good to build white space in general for for thinking time. Um, and, and you might consciously create some times where you have limited inputs into your life, or you're not having your phone ringing off the hook, not checking email every five minutes um, to allow yourself that space to really ponder uh, bigger questions, um, think about problems that you would like to solve. So that's a good
0: scheduling habit as well. And what about giving ourselves a bedtime? You know, it, it sounds so delicious to have the same time every night that we go to bed. Is that what it's all about? Or is it just about honoring the sleep hours? Tell us more.
1: Yeah, so uh, giving yourself a bedtime is also one of the tranquility by Tuesday rules. And this one is it's just so important. It's really foundational. Many people, you know, if they track their time, they'll see that they get enough sleep from a quantitative perspective. And yet no one ever believes that because we feel so tired. Yeah. <laughs> and so the question is, well, how can people feel so tired if, you know, a weekly time log will show that they are sleeping, you know, more than seven hours a day, for instance, And what's usually happening, is that people's sleep resembles one of those drop tower carnival rides where, you know, you get yanked up and then down and yanked <laughs> up and down, and, you know, back and forth. And, and, and I hate those kind of rides and it's not a good way to sleep either, that you are sleeping short one night and then crashing and making it up over the next few days and then have a short night and then crashing and making it up or, you know, sleep less during the week. And then you're entering the weekend with this huge sleep debt, you know, you're sleeping in worse. You sleep in on Sunday and then you can't go to bed on Sunday night. And so you get a very short night again on Monday and, yeah. You know, it just repeats the cycle. It is so much better to get the same amount of sleep that you need each night and to do this every night, right? Because then you are not constantly trying to pay off a sleep debt. And since most adults pretty much have to wake up at set times during the week for work or family responsibilities, the only variable you can move is what time you go to bed the night before. And so that is the wisdom of giving yourself a bedtime. That you set a time that you intend to go to sleep in order to get the amount of sleep you need before your wake up time. And that you structure your evening in order to make that possible. So for instance, if you have a listener who needs to be asleep at 1030 um, for the, you know, if they need seven and a half hours of sleep and need to be up at six in the morning, then their bedtime is 1030, right? That is a math problem. It's not a statement of anything else about your life, it's just math. Um, but if your bedtime is 10:30, then you sort of figure out well, how much time do I need to wind down? And a lot of people, it might be say 30 minutes. So you set an alarm for 10 o'clock to tell yourself now is a time where I'm moving toward my bed. I'm getting ready for bed so that at 10:30 the lights can be out with me in my bed. And when you set your evenings with this in mind, it, eventually it becomes more of a habit. And and you know, I'm not saying you have to observe it every night. Like you are a grown up. No one is making you go to bed. Um, So if there is a good reason to blow past your bedtime, you are more than welcome to. But I find that having an official time nudges you to make a conscious choice. So if you aren't doing anything that justifies staying up past your bedtime, well, yeah, may as well go to bed.
0: Well, and I am a big proponent for a good night's sleep. I think it just makes us healthier and well. And I so celebrate that you have more control over the morning if you get a good night's sleep and have that routine. You know, I have been a follower of of yours for a long time, as I mentioned, when we started the show. But what I love about this book is I'm still learning from you. There are new tips and resources and strategies. And something new to me was the three times a week habit. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So I think for many busy people, we have various things that we want to do in life that we know would be great, we'd enjoy, they'd be meaningful to us. You know, these are things like I don't know, exercise, lifting weights, uh, practicing the piano, getting together with friends or, you know, connecting with your partner, eating family meals, all these sorts of things that we know are good to do. And we feel like we just don't do them enough. And What is often happening is that people think they need to do these things daily because they're thinking of their lives in days. And they get to the end of the day and see that most days they haven't done it, so they feel defeated. But if you adopt this rule, which is that three times a week is a habit, you start to see if you can do something regularly without doing it always. Because I find that always tends to be very difficult for busy people to do, but regularly is quite doable. And when something is doable, then we do it and we can adopt it as part of our desired identity. So maybe between you know work and crazy kids' schedules, you can't eat dinner at 6 p.m. every weekday all together as a family, and that's fine. But can you find three times a week to eat together as a family? Maybe you do on Friday nights and Sunday nights and you're saying, oh, well, wait, we're already eating together twice regularly as a family. All I need to do is find one more time to make this into three times a week as a habit. So maybe Wednesday is sort of a you know lighter day for your family and you could have a later dinner and eat it together. And all of a sudden, wow, we're the sort of family who's enjoying regular family meals. But what I love about this rule is it's just a mindset shift that often when people say they never do things, it's not that they're never doing them. It's just that it's not as much as I want. But there is a world of difference between never and not as much as I want. Not as much as I want is something you can work with. And often when we look at our time, we are doing it a little bit, we're just not doing it as much as we want. So can you get to three times a week? If you see that you're doing something once, can you find two more spots? Um, And if you can, great, this can become part of your desired identity.
0: Laura, we'll be right back after a quick break. Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd Higgins, I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowthiggins.com. So one of my favorite uh, rules is the batch the little things because I often get just swept up in the minutia of email and all of the little administrative and sort of maintenance tasks of life. So tell this audience about that. That was a game changer for me. Yeah, so the rule
1: to batch the little things is about releasing the grip that all the minutiae of daily life tends to have on our minds. We all have some sorts of work that is not terribly important, not terribly urgent, but still has to get done. You know how it is. It's filling out permissions flips from schools. It's, uh, you know, ordering things online. It's responding to invitations, filling out some form from HR. All these things that we have to do, not urgent, but does need to get done at some point. And, you know, all these little things can weigh on us, like, because we're always feeling like we should be doing them. And so we can wind up interrupting ourselves all the time. Like you start thinking about some deep problem in your working life and then you're like, oh, wait, but I need to fill out that form from HR or, you know, I need to send this one thing to my colleague. And next thing you know, time is is just gone and you haven't made progress on anything. So I find that by batching all these little things to one chunk of time, either a small chunk during a non-peak time during your work day or maybe a bigger chunk on Fridays, you release some of the guilt of not doing it the rest of the time and also keep it from being a temptation because oftentimes we do want to procrastinate, right? We need to work on harder things, but we're like, oh, or I could just order that present on Amazon. And next thing you know, that's an easy win. You get the satisfaction of the easy win, but you didn't make the progress on the big thing. So choose a window, batch the little things. You can leave the rest of your time open for stuff that matters.
0: You know, I appreciate the releasing of the guilt, too, because there is this emotional angst often when we don't get everything on that proverbial to-do list. But what I love about the end result of following these rules is it also increases high performance and productivity and efficiency so that the benefit is, is tangible.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly when people started batching the little things, they found they were making more progress on their professional goals. Uh, You know, they weren't starting the day with like, okay, well, I've got 20 things on my to do list. I mean, maybe two are big things that really I should be tackling. But, hey, I can knock off these 18 really quick in a row, except then it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. You've got a meeting and then it's lunch and then your energy crashes and you don't get through the stuff that you really, in fact, needed to do that day. So by batching the little things, we spend the time that we could do big, important work on the big, important things and put those little things that don't matter as much at a time that is better used for them.
0: So your title is Tranquility by Tuesday. Why Tranquility and why Tuesday?
1: Well, Tuesday is an easier question. I see it as the most normal day of the week right? If you think about the other days of the week, they all have their own baggage. I mean, Mondays is like, oh, Mondays. Uh, Fridays, we're saying, thank goodness it's Friday. Weekends are different from weekdays. So I guess theoretically it could have been wellness by Wednesday or thriving by Thursday. Uh, But to me, Tuesday just represents the most normal day. And so if we can change how we spend our life on an average Tuesday, that is a different Problem that we have solved, and saying, "Well, how can I have you know great vacations or awesome weekends or anything like that?" Now we're we're talking about life as a, truly lived in a normal day. As for tranquility, I think a lot of busy people are constantly telling themselves this story that like, oh, there are all these things I'm going to get to you know, next week when life is less busy or next month when life calms down, then I'll be able to do this. After the holidays, when things aren't so crazy anymore, you know, it just keeps going on like this. And eventually you have to realize life is not going to be less crazy next week. It probably won't be less crazy next year. Like you need strategies that make life doable now. We need to calm the chaos now just enough so that we can get to the things we want to do. We have to accept that we need to keep moving forward within the chaos. And, and fortunately, there are ways to do that, which is really what these nine rules are about.
0: I'm so grateful that you said that because so many, and, and I, I'll be honest and vulnerable, sometimes I get caught up in the, it'll get better when fill in the blank. But the reality is we're, we're constantly pushing it off and waiting for something better to come. And we have so much more control and power now that we can use.
1: Yes, we can have our desired identities now. We can be the kind of people we want to be now. We can have the kind of Tuesdays we want to have now. We don't need to keep looking for some future time. I really do believe it is possible to have a, you know, orderly, accomplishing life, um, whatever is going on around you.
0: So with the study, you were communicating with people regularly. What did you learn as people were trying out these rules?
1: Oh my goodness, I mean, Caroline, the, the novels worth of <laughs> observations that people spent back sent back to me were just amazing. The upside of doing the study this way is I would send an email describing what the rule was uh, every week to people, and I'd ask them questions, and they would respond to the questions. And so I could see the responses. And I had some worry that very busy people would give cursory responses uh, to, you know, like, do you have time to do X in your life? Do you feel satisfied with this? They're like, yes or no. (laughs) But people gave me all sorts of information to work with. I mean, people talked about Those feelings at the beginning of the study of life being chaotic, of feeling constantly behind, of getting to the major things on your to-do list, but never making progress on your goals, of feeling like you're constantly playing catch up or, you know, you do what you have to do, but life feels like a slog. And I can so sympathize. I think we all can. I mean, you know, we're productive people. We do what we have to do. But wouldn't it be better to enjoy life while we're getting done the things that we need to do. And and I'm really happy to report that over the course of the nine weeks, you know, people felt much better on these dimensions. They felt more satisfied with their time generally overall. They felt uh, in particular more satisfied with how they were spending their leisure time. They felt like they had more energy to deal with their responsibilities. They felt like they were wasting less time on things that didn't matter to them. And this is in lives that really didn't suggest a whole lot of wasted time in the first place. So I am thrilled that people found the project helpful, and I'm hoping that readers will as well.
0: So I trust that you are following these rules as well. Is that a fair assumption?
1: I certainly try. Some weeks I do better than others, as we all do. Life is constantly a work in progress. Uh, But I have been noting how I spend my time. Each Monday I check in um, and we, you know, I have a scorecard of the nine different rules. And I look back over my time for the previous week because I track my time. But, you know, even if you don't track your time, you can sort of look over your calendar, think about notes from the previous week, just think about what happened and see if you followed these rules. Um, And that's what (laughs) I do every Monday. And some, some weeks I do great. And some weeks I don't Uh, generally the weeks when I do are the ones that have gone better.
0: Well, I appreciate your vulnerability there and your honesty, right? Welcome to the human race. So thank you for being real there. But Laura, what's one, one rule that might be hard for you to follow so we can learn from you? So honestly, one of
1: the hardest ones for me to follow is the effortful before effortless rule. So I know a great many people spend more time on passive leisure than we might want. Um, passive leisure being mostly screen time in, in this day and age. Uh, you have small bits of time open up and what do we do? We pick up our phone, start screen scrolling around on Twitter, Instagram, any of the other places, or reading through headlines that we really didn't need to read. And this is leisure time. It just doesn't feel like it, right? It doesn't feel particularly rejuvenating. Um, and and sometimes, you know, at night after the kids go to bed or after you're done with your chores, people can turn on the television, sort of scroll around to different shows and not really find anything they want to watch. And the next thing you know, it's your bedtime or past your bedtime. And we feel incredibly busy like we don't have much leisure time, except we do. We can often have hours of it if you add it all up, but it doesn't feel like it's doing much for our lives. And and the solution to this is to do a little bit of effortful fun before effortless fun. So anytime a spot of leisure opens up, challenge yourself to do just something that's a little bit more active and engaged for even just a few minutes before you switch to the passive stuff. So before you turn on the TV all night, read one chapter in a book, do 15 minutes in a puzzle, um, call a friend for 10 minutes, you know, anything along those lines. And then you can binge watch all you want for the rest of the night. But just flip the automatic order of doing the effortless fun first, and you will wind up having a lot more meaningful fun in your life. And it sounds great, and I just don't really do it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, thank you for being real and it's okay we're all works in progress but laura i i treasure you i'm so grateful and i continue to learn from you your incredible new book is called tranquility by tuesday nine ways to calm the chaos and make time for what matters and of course it is available on amazon and wherever books are sold laura i hope our paths continue to cross i cherish you and best wishes with the new book thank you so much for having me back And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.